0: What's going on my friends and welcome to another episode of the Awaken Life Podcast. You know me, my name is Victor and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Patty. Hello! On this (laughs) lovely day in our brand new setup in our backyard here in Sedona. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, today we're going to cap off the year by sharing with you the top five spiritual lessons that we personally learned in this year of 2020, but also because I do these energy updates, it's also, you could look at this as an intuitive, you know, it's also inspired, I would say in the same way as my energy updates, where this is not just going to be me and Patty talking about her own personal shadow work lesson. This is going to be sort of something I really believe will resonate with a lot of you in the same way as my energy updates on YouTube do. Ready? Yep. Okay. Okay. So number one, we both have been learning lessons in patience and self-forgiveness. Patience, a lot of it in ourselves, patience with ourselves. Mm-hmm. What, what always comes to mind when I discuss this is a, a spiritual teacher who both me and Patty are fond of, Thich Nhat Hanh. You know him? Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, he's got this awesome book. I, I used to rec- I used to make all my coaching clients read it, actually. It's called Fear. Um, I forgot the tagline, but it's called Fear anyway, real awesome book. And in this book, Thich Han says that we should treat our pain the same way we would treat a little child. Mm-hmm. With compassion, with love, with tolerance, with patience, with understanding. And by pain, you can use the word pain as a metaphor for our shortcomings, our indiscretions, our mistakes. The, just the times at life where we sin which sin means missing the mark missing the mark of our own standards we oftentimes do that mm-hmm. and unlike the way almost all of us probably all of us literally would treat a child we treat ourselves in the exact opposite way with with just uh with just a ridiculous amount of contempt and ridicule and intolerance and impatience And, you know, I know you struggle with that quite a bit. You have a lot of negative self-talk that comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, And anyway, it's been a challenging year for us. It's been a challenging year for most people I know. Even people who have been, you know, on the spiritual path for a long time. They, too, have found themselves brought to their knees at times and challenged and thrown into unexpected scenarios where they had to really creatively think themselves out of this box. And uh, all of us, in our own way, have been tested heavily it's been like a rite of passage, and I think you know, what we've learned is that how unhelpful it is to always be dogging on ourselves, to always be like, "Oh, Vic, you 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 fucked up there. You should be better." Blah 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 blah. And then we then the guilt, come, the heavy guilt comes in, the self-criticism, and then we wallow in these dark places rather than just saying, "You know what? I'm gonna dust myself off and try again next time."
1: Yeah, that's been. Uh, A big theme for me this these last couple of months you know like allowing myself to be in that space of vulnerability and and some self-judgment and and those types of things and then when I come out of it having the compassion for myself and like allowance for that to unfold because that really, for me, I believe like those moments are when you're doing the healing work, you know? Yeah. And especially when they're, you're acting out behaviors that you don't prefer, uh, it, it's, it allows you to look at it with fresh eyes when you have compassion for yourself,
0: you yeah. know? Yeah, and I think the way reality works from my own um, observation is that in the physical reality we live in, the way we uh, learn about our consciousness is through our physical lives. And our consciousness right now is being shifted. It's shifting frequency. It's expanding. And it's becoming brighter. It's becoming a more clear light. And as we become more expansive, we're discovering all this crap (laughs) We've been holding on to that stems from our childhood, from our, you know, early life, our formidable years, probably past lives for a lot of us. And but it's not just the mere psychological recognition, as if you're just spotting something in this from this neutral space. It's like it's an awareness that's also played out in our behavior, in our (laughs) physical lives, where we watch ourselves playing out these patterns, where it's like there's this parallel observation of on one hand, it's like, why am I doing this? I don't agree with this. This is not who I prefer to be. I'm aware this is going to cause me pain, but it's like, there's that conditioned part of us that just needs to play it out for us to see. So um, I think it's just the way we're learning right now. And like you said, the dark times when the waves of dysfunction wash over you, it's not a time to say, Oh wow, I suck. It's a time to say, thank goodness I'm waking up to this. If I agreed with this, if I wasn't aware there was something wrong, that would be a problem. But the more like, frustrated you are with yourself, that implies a high degree of awareness. Like, this is not who I prefer to be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, these are all just little things that we've... Conversations we've had with each other, with ourselves, as a way of like nurturing ourselves, being loving with ourselves, patient with ourselves. It can make the journey a heck of a lot smoother.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and I find for me that... And I'm sure... I feel like this is how most people are when you get into a space where you start beating yourself up, then you just continue down that path. And in a, if for me, it makes that downtime of being in the old behaviors or whatever, it makes it a lot longer, you yeah. know, because I'm like having, I'm acting out these teenage emotions that I'm feeling like well I'm a grown ass woman I shouldn't be acting like that or feeling that way that's not accurate and then I'll go into you know complete bashing myself mode and then it just it's like a cycle because then those behaviors keep acting you know I keep acting out those behaviors and beating myself up and it's literally a cycle of acting out behaviors beating myself up acting out behaviors beating myself up until I get to a space where I'm like it's okay honey it's okay sweetie you're just you're healing (laughs) you know yeah
0: yeah it reminds me of another spiritual teacher called uh, his name is Adashanti and he he has this term he calls sticky thoughts and I look at, sticky thought is like when you're meditating and, you know, certain thoughts come by and the idea is to watch them like a cloud passing on the sky from a detached standpoint. But sometimes a thought comes in that you feel like you need to address or figure out That's a sticky thought. Well, we have these sticky, sticky states, as we would put it, where, like, you know, you, you wake up, you're a little cranky, and then you go about your day and you work out and you feel better and, and your, your mood fluctuates, but there's no stickiness. Mm-hmm. But then when something comes up, it comes out of us that we really disagree with, then it's like, whoa, 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 I shouldn't be doing this. I'm an mm-hmm. adult or all the things you were saying, like this is bad and then it's like, instead of just coming out, being recognized and moving on, we, we stick to it, we cling to it with our guilt and our self-anger. So, yeah, it's just, uh, but it's it's hard because we all have this ego that is very self-critical mm-hmm. and it's uh, fortunately another thing we're all becoming aware of and, and how it's not serving us. Mm-hmm. So, so we've also been learning lessons about becoming a, mature, a, more, a wiser and more mature guide, husband, wife, a parent, friend, etc. When I first woke up, I thought it was my duty to wake other people up. <laughs> and to fill them in on all the scoop, the, the ascension, the aliens, of course, that'll be coming hopefully in the next decade or so, the corrupt government controlling our vibration, keeping us down with fear, and the mainstream media propaganda ruining everything, the poisons they're putting in our food purposely. All these things, I would spout out to anybody without any, um, <laughs> any moment to hesitate and say. Is this person ready for this? Does this person care about this? Is it going to be well-received by them? Anyway, that was how I used to be, fortunately, for not that long. And then I evolved. I became a lot more tapped in, way more evolved. And then I started only doing that with people I knew. I stopped doing it to strangers and people who I knew would have no business learning that right now. And I started doing it with Patty and my kids and the people who work for me in a more subtle way, but in the same mentality of being aware of, of what I perceive to be a uh, you know a fault or a flaw or a mistake and then feeling like it's my duty to help them out by telling them what they should do or what they should not do or, or just merely pointing out, do you realize you're doing this? And I'm becoming, fortunately, another, another wave of maturity has washed over me and I'm realizing even that's no good. <laughs> and now, and this is a big lesson I had recently in uh, Costa Rica. We had a, an ayahuasca retreat which is amazing, and Nosara, with Patty and Aaron. Um, and any one, anyway, one of the main lessons were was coming up for me was the way I still have that immature guide mentality with the ones I love the most, my friends and my family and, my, and the p- people who work for me, which are also friends. Um, and I started realizing like there's a smarter, more slick way to assist, although the only caveat is I don't really get the credit. I don't get to be known as the guy who pointed out the aha moment for a person. It's more subtle. And I'll give an example. So the other day, um, I was I, I was observing you in one of your funks. And normally, I'm quick to uh, try to fix your funks for you by saying, Honey, have you thought about just doing this? What about this? Why were you, Why you know... In a sort of very masculine and cerebral and ineffective way, I told the admit. Yeah, I was just going
1: to say, how'd that work out for
0: you? No, it didn't work. It always (laughs) just pissed you off. Even when I was right and I could tell you knew I was right, the fact that I came at you that way, if anything, made you refuse the advice anyway, just out of sheer principle Mm of not being liked to be told what to do. So anyway, the other day I was seeing you on the couch. And I could see this look in your eye of like... Like an old pattern had taken you over. And you see that in me all the time, obviously. But I I caught myself from... from I refrained from saying something. And I looked deeper and I saw what you need in this moment is some love. So I walked over to you and I just gave you a kiss. I said, I love you, honey. And it literally... Like the shift in your energy was so apparent. You're just like... (gasps) It was like this giddy little school kid. And it lifted you right out of the funk. And it required... Me dropping no knowledge of any kind, and it was just simply giving you a little bit of love, a little bit of encouragement you know what you were having a weak moment, and i'm realizing that's the smartest way to go about guiding and helping people generally speaking
1: mm-hmm.
0: is there anything you want to share about that? another thing yeah, you wrote down uh, being soft yeah with
1: your i i uh, I'm learning something similar <laughs> um I I am someone who tends to be very like sharp with my words and very quick to like command something or just do it myself like okay you're not gonna do it then I'm just gonna do it if you don't do it right this second <laughs> when I'm asking you to do it and um, it's that's not an effective way to go about it because you know, when you're asking someone to do something or like if for an assistant, you know, for one of the retreats, if I'm telling them to do something, if I tell them with that sharpness, then they can start to get, feel resentful. And so now I'm learning to be direct, but still soft with my approach, you know?
0: Yeah. And to, to your own defense and to be clear to you guys, she's like a a hardcore Leo, did you say? <laughs> yeah. So Leos, from my understanding, are very just bold and speak what's on their mind with very little filters. It's just one of their tendencies. Would is that accurate to say or no?
1: Well, Leos are are very good uh, leaders, and so they're very good at commanding what they want, commanding people to do stuff, and like telling you know be delegating. They're yeah. very good at at that type of thing, and. Um,
0: but maybe there's such a confidence in themselves that it's it like, is, comes it's off as... My, it's
1: my 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 rising and my moon sign is really what make me oh. like that. Because uh, my Aries is, is my moon.
0: Okay, well, yeah, she's just that way, apparently. Where yeah. she just very, she says what's on her mind at all times. And there's so many times we'll be in like a group of people and you'll say something and it, I'll just get like, oh, I would have <laughs> never even thought to say that. Have you considered how they're going to interpret that? And most of the time, a lot of it is my own insecurity because I'm like the, I'm the exact opposite of that. I'm really careful with what I say. <laughs> so it's an interesting dynamic we have. But anyway, I could see where you would be learning that lesson. And I've learned that too. Um, in fact, it reminds me of uh, a Tony Robbins event that me and Aaron did recently. And he was talking about how he went into his, one of his businesses. He has this big coaching business. And all their numbers were down. And he was like ticked off. And he went in there. And he was so like frustrated with them, but he like, he said he had to bite his tongue and sort of come at them in a positive way. Instead of like, you should be doing this. What the hell is the matter with you? It's, he went in there and said, hey, here are the numbers. What do you think they should be at? And they said, okay, they should be higher, but they should be this amount. He said, okay, well, how about we raise them a little bit, even less than what you said. Just raise them a little bit. And then he went on to say, well, how could we go about doing that? And then it got, it it really, it validated their role in the company. It made them feel like they had a say, and it got their wheels spinning, and it brought the best out of the employees when you come at them from the standpoint of, like, respect, basically, instead of just belittling and pointing out things, which is not always what you do. It's not always what I do, but it's an energy that people can detect.
1: Right. It's not, like, it's not belittling the way that... Just, I don't know. I feel like I just want to be clear, because I'm I'm very direct and f- fiery.
0: Yeah, fiery, direct, sharp.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and, yeah. and and.
0: But it's just becoming a wiser communicator. I think mm-hmm. is what you're learning.
1: Well, and learning the right uh, time for me to uh, like. if I'm going to be delegating or or something for someone I can't do it when I'm feeling stressed at all because then it'll be like I need you to take the garbage out you know because I'm already stressed so I have to like be more mindful and and collect myself and you know just remind myself that I'm still learning you know
0: yeah I think it's about being mindful of your own energy state and if you can or cannot communicate in a loving way Mm -hmm. and also aware of the other person's state. Are they in a point where they're going to be receptive to this? Mm -hmm. So just about being real mindful of the other person, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So number three, we're learning less is more in this new energy. It reminds me, we were talking this morning of our friend Dana. Our friend Dana is an amazing artist. And what I admire about Dana is that she really lives the artist's lifestyle where she's one that really goes with the flow and lets her creative inspiration and intuition sort of dictate in a way that's I try. I aspire to be that way, but it's hard for me because I'm very cerebral <laughs> and very, I have like a masculine approach to things, a psychological approach. And I tend to like routines and rituals and rules and, and systems. Um, but Dana's like the polar opposite of that. Anyway, <laughs> So she sort of she moved to Sedona recently, I don't know six months ago or so, maybe more and she said that she was doing kind of she was operating how I was where she was waking up and she had this agenda where I'm gonna paint for X amount of hours a day and she kept running into this resistance and these roadblocks and this stress and she was getting burnt out and then she eventually like snapped out of it and woke up and realized this is not how I normally operate. this is not ideal. And I will say, especially Sedona, because it's such a high vibration, it almost demands a certain higher level of alignment with with the will of your spirit here, I would Mm -hmm. say. So there's almost less tolerance from the universe when you're out of alignment. Anyway, she realized, you know what, the more she rests, the more she goes to the creek and sits by the water and does nothing all day, that when she comes back to working, she can get so much done in such a short burst of time because it's so fueled with uh, a maximum energy and, and maximum capacity of her intuition and if she's actually getting a lot more done now doing less have you found that in your life or no
1: um... yeah i mean i'm i need.
0: you mentioned your walks as an example
1: yeah I, i'm i'm trying to find balance so i w- i walk in the mornings and I got to a point where if I woke up a little bit later than I wanted or if I was, you know, just tired and didn't feel like going on my walk, I'd, like, feel, like, all discombobulated and, like, anxious, like, oh, man, I should have went on my walk, and uh, now now my whole day is, is going to be ruined, you know, and, um, so, and now I'm just trying to say, you know what? Like this morning I woke up ridiculously early and I was like, I made plans to walk over to my friend's house that my friend's house that lives close by. And I just said, you know what? I'm too tired. I'm not going to go. It's okay. And, uh, yeah, being in situations like that, finding balance. If I'm feeling like stressed or overwhelmed, then I need to make sure that I go and I take my time and play my singing bowl or whatever I got to do to, you know, relax a little bit and, and yeah. regain my composure.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of Alan Watts. Most of you have heard of Alan Watts. I know Patty's a big fan. I love He Hayley. says, <laughs> life and all its many expressions is wiggly but our mind the ego is is uh very likes to have boxes and straight lines and we like to impose boxes and straight lines into this inherently wiggly reality we find ourselves in mm-hmm. so it's like we go on a walk and we say boy that walk felt great i'm gonna do that every day <laughs> and, and then like it's like that's a line that's a very rigid rule because some days you're sick some days you're busy some days you don't sleep well and it's like, no, life is very wiggly. There's many different reasons why you might not walk that day or why it might not be ideal. Um, and I think like the, the, one of the keys to peace and harmony in our life is to allow ourselves to be more flowy and yeah. bring out that feminine part of us, that more wiggly part of us and say doesn't really feel in this moment when I tune in ideal to go on a walk. And it's always pretty easy to figure out. Just it, it's a matter of deciding to tune in. Whenever we tune into ourselves, like yesterday, I'll give an example of myself. <laughs> so I've been wanting we're gonna be going back to we're in Los uh, Sedona right now, and we're going back to Las Vegas tomorrow. And I had a lot of videos I wanted to shoot before I left because of where we're in this cool like environment as you can kinda see. <laughs> and yesterday I woke up and I was kind of like tired like you were. And I knew I knew it wasn't the best time to shoot videos. I was my energy was just not right. I was just feeling kinda like spacey a little bit in my head but I did anyway. I just came out here twice for like an hour and a half and I shot a whole bunch of videos. I exhausted myself and I'm probably not going to use any of them because they weren't any good. They were not up to my standards myself. And and then that was just an example of, man, you could have like chilled out all day and you could have like just hung out and had the same same thing. But but I ignored that sort of feeling inside that already knew what was ideal. So it's not hard. It's not hard to know what's best in the moment. It's just about Allowing our minds, uh, you know, line-like nature to be uh, more flexible. But it's hard and we're working on it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Number four, lessons in not giving up and thinking outside the box for clever solutions. I think a lot of us have been forced by circumstances here to think outside of the box and to not give up with the obvious COVID situation going on. What comes to mind, though, funny enough, is our recent retreat in Costa Rica, the November one, where it was our first time running a plant medicine ceremony in Costa Rica in this way, where we rented out an entire retreat center, a smaller one, but a whole retreat center. We rented out and we we brought the guests and we hired the shamans. We sort of orchestrated the whole thing. But I've never once been to this city, let alone the retreat center in no, Sara, Costa Rica. I've never been there. And it felt like everything, at least on our end, the retreat was a, a, a just epic and beautiful. But behind the scenes, for, for like us orchestrating it, it was like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And it started with us being late for our own retreat because we rented a car. And there was like there was two different ways to get to the retreat center. We went, we went one way. And apparently, there was a huge uh, storm for several days prior, and the road was <coughs> like it, the road it literally turned into a river. Turned into a river. <laughs> we found ourselves
1: literally.
0: where road met river, and we're like, what? "What the hell do we do here?" We're like, and "But but it was getting dark. We we didn't have good GPS. There was no internet service, and the roads were so bumpy, and we had to go all the way around." So, as an example, there was that among many other little like logistical nightmares. For us and there was constantly between me you, and aaron we had to kind of like be present for one another and we had we had to have several little powwows where we just step back from the situation took a breath do a little rap you and aaron and then like this said okay the situation is what it is it's not ideal but what are we going to do about it mm-hmm. and then we got the we got the the, the creative flow going and between the three of us, always, all, all the little hiccups, we were able to come up with a better case scenario and resolve it um, by just think, by stopping, thinking outside the box and not getting too flustered, not giving up. Mm-hmm. There were times where I was freaking out and they had to calm me down and vice versa. <laughs> um, but we never like just threw in the towel. We said, you know what? We're here. We had no choice. We had people who paid money to come see this and have this experience. We were like, it doesn't matter what's happening. We have to deliver. And We had that mindset. And I find that mindset is so powerful, especially when things are going wrong in your life with the COVID. Maybe you lost your job or you got some relationship issues or some some financial struggles. It's like if you just have that refusal to give up and know that there is a way, then there will be a way. But you might have to dig deep. You might have to think way outside the box. But that's such a powerful life skill that we all have... Not mastered, but we've all done a lot of that for many years, which is why we were able to still put on an epic retreat for the other people, mm-hmm. even with all the circumstances sort of throwing us off our game.
1: Yeah. Right. I find that a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times when I'm put in a situation where like something challenging is arising, those, if I'm, Detached from the situation, right? Like if I if I'm not like emotionally invested in some way, because then I have to like g- regain my composure. But if I'm like detached enough, then I I find that um, I'm more. Precise with my reaction. and It's like, a, I, I, that's not really the right word, but um, I can more easily come up with a solution, you know?
0: Yeah. When you don't take it too seriously. Yeah. It's like, the, I love the Toltecs. <laughs> Long
1: story short. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> don't take life too seriously. Good. Point made. <laughs> no. Um, the, the Toltecs, they look at life the way we experience it, the things we think are real, as a dream, and that we're dreaming. And it's okay if you're aware it's a dream, because then you cannot take it so seriously. You can kind of play with it, know that whether this or that happens the way you think it needs to, it's not ultimately going to be that influential to you if you don't allow it to be, because you're an eternal spirit sort of playing the earth game. Um, so when you can keep that in mind, and maybe in a more grounded sense of just not getting too attached to things. Um, it can allow you to not go into that contracting stress response where you really just sever off any hope of coming up with a viable solution when you respond with like that tension and stress now Mm -hmm. the thing is we always we do sometimes that happens naturally but i think it's about being aware of how useless that state is and then how in order to solve the problem i must shift my state in fact it reminds me of earlier this year when when covid first hit Uh, me and patty were putting like a lot of our marbles you could say in in our in our livelihood and business into this one retreat we are going to run it at a retreat center in sedona and have like a hundred people and so i wasn't promoting other things or retreats and i put a lot of i invested a lot of money into this retreat center and like i was ready to pull the trigger and launch it and then that's like literally like the week of everything shutting down like the whole world shut down at that point and i was like oh my goodness like no one knew how long it was going to last. Mm-hmm. Nobody, people were freaking out. People didn't even have toilet paper. <laughs> I know. And like during that time, I had several bouts of like unrest because I felt like yeah. uncertain about my future. I said, oh my mm-hmm. God, what, how are we going to like earn a living if people, if, how is anyone going to earn a living? It seemed like for a while. And uh, we just had all this stuff going on. So I literally had to. In those months or in that month or so, I realized how important it was for me to always be in a good state if I'm going to uh, try to figure anything out. So I was doing a lot more yoga, mm-hmm. a lot more meditation, a lot more nature walks, knowing that if I'm going to ride this out effectively, I have to maintain somewhat of a good state of consciousness because it's I'll, be, I'll just get sucked into the neg- spiral of negativity otherwise. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's been a good year of lessons, my friend. A lot of big, big changes. A lot of big opportunities to grow and rise to that next level. Um, And before I go, I want to let you guys know, if you're listening, that we are having another retreat in Costa Rica, Nosara, in March. In fact, it's March 24th to the 28th. -hmm. It's a plant medicine retreat where we fly in expert shamans to run two nights of ayahuasca and one full long day together together of uh, San Pedro, the third day. Machuma. And Machuma. I'm going to be there. Paddy will be there. My friend Aaron Dowdy is going to be there. A lot of you probably know him. And uh, the retreat center is just spectacular. It's mm-hmm. up in the mountains so with beautiful. these gorgeous views. It's a very intimate, beautiful, safe experience, to to ex- a safe place to really journey and dive deep into yourself, mm-hmm. but also celebrate and have fun and connect with other like-minded people. So we are so Passionate and aligned with this that we, we can't even put into words the <laughs> level of excitement and resonance we feel because we saw how life-changing this was. So anyway, if you're interested in joining us this uh, March in Costa Rica for a plant medicine, then go to awakeninghelp.com backslash AYA, A-Y-A, awakeninghelp.com backslash Aya. And you'll see the, inf- the information page for that. With that said, much love to you all. Thank you yeah. for listening. Have Thank an amazing new year. Namaste.
1: Namaste.